Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. NFL truly never sleeps. Of course, the NFL churns news year-round, maybe even especially in the offseason. But right now, the NFL news is at its peak, and that's because it is NFL draft season. And really, it's been NFL draft season, and it's going to keep on being NFL draft season until the conclusion of the 2023 NFL draft. A lot to talk about here amongst what's going to happen with the Pittsburgh Steelers and throughout the Pittsburgh region on some notable players with Pitt, Penn State, and West Virginia in particular that could have their name called at some point throughout NFL Draft Weekend. I'm Mike Oste, and this is another episode of Mike Drop here throughout the Believe Network platforms. You can also find Mike Drop on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, etc. So anywhere you get your podcast, search Mike Drop. You can find this and all of my other shows that I've done with Believe and even prior to Believe. They've thrown it all on there for you. And you also can find me, of course, throughout the Sports Now family of networks. I'm going to bring on now somebody who I've talked with before on past networks, past shows, past years about the NFL draft. He is NFL draft analyst and also managing partner with Draft Countdown, and that is Shane Hallam, as I will now bring Shane aboard the program. Shane, first off, well, let me switch it over to that way. There you go. So you can see the whole logo. How are you, man? It's been a while. I'm good. I'm good. It's it's nice to talk to you again. It's nice to be back in another, you know, month, uh, less than a month till the draft. So Yeah, now it is less than a month and it feels like it's kind of just always goes on, really. Like at the end of college football season, even before now, the playoff and national championship, it's the mindset about the draft. You have the Shrine Bowl, Senior Bowl. Everything under the sun, there's more than ever before, the combine, pro days. Most of all of that now is getting behind these players, especially pro days have now happened. I covered actually a few, covered West Virginia's this week. So now that those are over, it's really about the draft. And a lot of these players have even told me they feel like there's nothing else they can do. Like they've been everywhere. They've done everything. The film's there. They can't go back and play again in college football at this point, really, or they probably don't even want to. So they're all just waiting for the draft and for their name to be called. And that will take us to what the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to do. That'll be the highlight of this one, of course. And the Steelers are a team last year that had a quarterback kind of fall in their lap. They were, they were in love with Kenny Pickett. I still do believe the conspiracy theory. They didn't ever think he was going to be there. And once he was there, they couldn't say no. It kind of, change things up on their board and their season but for better or worse he is the guy they're going with him they're still in love with him after last season some clutch heroics despite maybe an up and down overall year so they're not going quarterback this isn't the same situation of last year where it's really looking at a QB and maybe an earlier selection but there are still some players if you look at different odds out there where the Steelers are expected 
to potentially go. There's a, and I don't know if this player fits. I'm just going to roll down the line here and read down the line of some players. And right now they're odds from bookies.com, which is one of our, our draft sites we work with um, throughout here with believe on some players that they think maybe could be Pittsburgh Steelers. Of course, Jody, Joey Porter Jr. Is brought up. Devin Witherspoon is brought up. Darnell Wright is brought up. Of course, can see another pit player. That'd be interesting if they go back to back and, He's certainly become attractive throughout this offseason, so he may not be around. Banks, Sanders, and then anybody else. And that's plus 250, plus 350 for Porter Jr. and Witherspoon, and then all the way down at plus 800 and plus 850 for Banks and Sanders. Cansey is at plus 500. So to get things started, Shane, what position do you think the Steelers are keying in on right now, or maybe are they looking at just the best overall player? What do you think the Steelers are, are going to do before maybe we get to what maybe they're going to do? So I, I think the Steelers have a, a similar approach every year, and it's basically they have a group of positions that they're looking at and taking the best player available from those positions. So I don't think it's, uh, we need a corner, we're taking one in round one. I think corner uh, is obviously on the board. It's part of those positions. I think the defensive line, specifically the zero-tech nose tackle, they're looking at a ton of those players who are uh, surprisingly absent from that list. Um, uh, So I think maybe even that other bet could be interesting. Um, And then I, I think you're looking at, you know, linebacker, Slot corner and outside corner, I'd kind of separate into two different positions um, they're looking at. And then the, the offensive tackle position. I, I think it's going to be the best yeah. player available at those positions for them. Yeah, this isn't the same. And usually they do go best player available. They usually have a few positions where they kind of know they can rely on if they have to, certainly on the defensive side, certainly on the D-line. But last year it was all the talk of quarterback. That isn't as much the stress now. It's building the defense back up building around Kenny Pickett and trying to build an overall team. So that definitely makes sense. And by the way, it's plus 700 for the field. So that might be a solid bet now, especially with some of those players possibly either out of grasp or maybe don't fit with the Steelers. You mentioned though, a few different positions there. Of course, everyone talking about corner safety, even D line again, Wide receiver and offensive line, you didn't mention, but they're always brought up. They didn't go offensive line a couple years ago when they drafted Najee Harris. I'll throw myself in the mix. Pretty much all of Pittsburgh media was saying they should have went O-line. They got a running back. He's now kind of got healthier and become a little bit of the guy they thought they were going to have, but it's already two years into a four-year figuring run with a running back. You don't normally get more than that out of a top-round running back unless somehow you get lucky and sign him again, but that's rare. So they might need to retool the O-line to still help them. And then, of course, wide receiver, although they seemingly always can get those positions. In terms of those players I mentioned, though, and really any player out there that are available, who do you think? I'm sure you've done some mock drafts right right now. I'm not going to hold you to this. Excuse me. But who do you think the Steelers are really looking at? Because... They also have a propensity, and there are some players out there. I believe they were not at Penn State's Pro Day. They usually, The Steelers pretty much don't ever take anybody in the first round unless they attend that Pro Day. It, it's really only happened, I think, once in the last 10, 15 years. So I don't know what kind of sign that may be. We'll say this is a different regime right now, but still the same head coach and ownership, obviously. 
Are there any players out there that are on your watch board that, hey, this really could happen. The Steelers really could draft this guy. They should take this guy. He's a real fit. He's going to be around players that you're mocking to the Steelers. Uh, honestly, I, I think the cornerback position is going to be where the value meets the need. And, and we talked about Joey Porter Jr. being at the top of that list. I think despite not being at the pro day, they are bringing him in for one of their, their visits. They get 30 of those. Um, they usually draft out of that bucket pretty heavily and obviously know him well. So I, I think, I think he is an ideal fit, but uh the second player you mentioned, Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. I think if he is there, and I don't think he will be, but I think if he's right. there, I think they take him over Porter. Because uh, the, the nickel corner is a much bigger position of need right now. No Cam Sutton. Um, it's really devoid of talent, even after signing additional defensive backs. Uh, and Witherspoon's like the, the, the perfect fit, the physical fit. Uh, so I, I think those two have to be up there. My guess is my final mock, I probably will have Porter there. Uh, just as I think it's the most likely scenario to fit need and value. Um, but I, I also believe that there's a chance they go defensive line. They've had uh, Mike Thomas specifically said heavy interest in Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle out of Michigan, uh, right. who is an athletic freak, even though he didn't quite test that way in his pro day. Um, and everyone's kind of keying him up for round two with those two picks. I think there's a chance they take him at 17. Uh, he's on that first round fringe and they might miss out if they don't. Yeah, and there's also been conversation among some that because they really just need best available are now trying to build around a guy for the future. And you mentioned where the spoon might not be there, but he might be a fit. And I've actually heard some to the contrary of the thing, Joey Porter Jr., despite being a Penn State guy, despite his father, despite the Steeler connection, and maybe they're in love with him, draft pit, Penn State, that might be cool locally. But in back-to-back -back years, but maybe thinking he's actually not that great of a fit. I mean, he had a lot of problems a couple of years ago with a lot of penalties, needs to clean up his act a little bit still, did rebound from that to have a solid last year, but there could be some untraditional Steelers, Steelers things in him. So just with all of that said, any thought the Steelers could trade and maybe not be picking where they are, trade back even, and build up maybe more in the second round. Would any of that make sense for the Steelers this year more than in re recent years? Because as you mentioned at the top, this isn't really they're going for a position in a way, more so than before. We could debate all day about running back or O-line. They pretty much they, they pretty much told us. I mean, if Najee was there, they're taking Najee. They loved him. If Pickett's there, they're taking Pickett. They loved him. If they don't have a guy that if he's there, they're just in love, do maybe they trade and does that make sense? I think it would make a ton of sense. And it is interesting because this is really the first draft we get of Omar Khan as the right. general manager to be able to call that shot. Because uh, if it was Kevin Colbert, I'd say, nope, probably not. So, right. Like, you know, he's, he's had made trades yeah. in the past that haven't yeah. worked out usually. Right. Uh, but <laughs> more recently and they didn't work out true. Yeah. The Devin Bush situation. I don't know. Maybe they're gun shy there. Um, yeah. But, but I, think, I think Khan might be likely to do it you know, have some conversations and maybe be part of that a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. I think, I think Colin might be likely to do it. And I think he might be more likely to trade back. Like you mentioned, I think that might be, especially right. with being devoid of some of these day three picks, they might want to add additional picks. And you know, if you like a guy like Mozzie Smith, maybe he's the top player on their board, then he can move back and, and still get him. Yeah. This does feel like, because not only do you have the first crack at it for Omar Khan, but you also have the first again, where, 
they could take a, a, any myriad of guys and it could be argued as, as, a, as a good selection. Like this isn't as debated, maybe even though there are positions of need people could debate, there's not as much a, posi- a, a position or a guy that they're, they're really looking at that people can obsess over. And you have a new regime that's able to kind of do this for the first time. So there's some excitement uh, maybe amongst the Steelers and amongst Steelers brass on, on how this is also, and we say this every year, but this is really the case. This is an important draft. Because if you are publicly proclaiming Pickett is your guy, you're obviously going to stick with him for the next few years at least, no matter what happens. Then you, re- it's going to if if he totally kaplunks, a lot of it will then be put on you in terms of building around him. So this is now the work for the next two or three years to do that building again. Shane Helm joining me here, managing partner and NFL draft analyst with Draft Countdown. As we're talking draft, we're talking Steelers draft and what they're going to do and what they should do here on mic drop on believe so before we get to some college players and how they may fit or where they may fit throughout this draft and 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 what teams are, are maybe looking at them the rest of the draft for the Steelers as you mentioned not as many later round picks they've been able to build up the draft the last few years a lot of it early round has been offense going quarterback going receiver maybe against what the Steelers had been doing years prior and there are some positions that they've kind of not focused in on as much as maybe some would want them to focus in on again, going back to offensive line, they've lost some players that used to be contributors that kind of then fell off chase Claypool being one of them. You mentioned Sutton no longer there. They could make some moves of course, but they always do at some point, take a receiver. They usually can make something of them for at least a year or so they need for me offensive line at some point here, obviously all over the defense needs help and just needs improved and needs to get younger, maybe more athletic for this to be a successful draft for the Steelers in such an important draft. What do they really need to accomplish? How does this overall board need to shake out for the Steelers separate from even that first round pick, or if they would trade back? I I think for a successful draft, it would be nice for some of that offensive line talent to fall. Uh, and you just talked about it with Kenny Pickett. I think it's really important to support him and give him the best chance of success. And they've definitely been looking. It's been interesting because the Steelers have been looking hard at a lot of these interior linemen. Then we yeah. saw them really go in free agency, go after the, the past two years, go after those positions. So, uh, you know, I think center is a position that's on the board in the second round. If a John Michael Schmitz out of Minnesota would fall into their lap and, and with the, the second pick that they have in the second round, I think that'd be a slam dunk. And, and to me, to I think they need an offensive tackle. They need an offensive tackle that can start. Uh, I, I think that's what's going to make this a, a successful draft. I think the defensive talent is going to be the focus, and that's where the, the biggest holes are. But I, I think I will come away from this draft saying, wow, this is a success for Pittsburgh because they can protect Kenny Pickett, and they have you know the, the ability now to build an offense to make him hopefully a top 15 quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, and I think they're trying to build a union, and they aren't going to admit this, but I think there is a thinking there that Kenny Pickett can be a good enough quarterback that you can win with if you build around him. But I don't think anyone with the Seals currently believe this is Patrick Mahomes, where they're just going to make up for other issues. So a top 15 would probably be the nail on the head, that if they get him to top 15, certainly maybe that's high for this year. But if two years we're talking and he's the 15th best quarterback in the league, I'd imagine they're going to look at at least one playoff appearance, they would assume. Or if not, they probably messed up these drafts. Uh, but is it but is it really reliant though on players having to fall to them? 
Is that kind of the issue that this is such an important draft, but they don't have as many later round picks. They did get the QB last year that fell to them. The only first round QB. They did add some pieces signing Patrick Peterson. Of course, it's a big move, but he's an older player. You're getting two years max out of the guy. So it's not going to really help the future, really help the picket era as much as you would like. And at that point you could be losing Najee to another deal somewhere else. Patrick Peterson could retire. Cam Hayward, he's a fine wine, but who knows how long this is going to go. Same thing with TJ Watt, who misses games every single season. Is it that they need things to kind of fall in their lap in order to have this work because of different circumstances? Or can they do some moving and shaking to, to make this happen? And do you expect that maybe more with this regime than prior with Kevin Colbert that we discussed? Some recent first-round trades that haven't worked, but other than that, he pretty much just went draft pick to draft pick throughout the board. Are Steeler fans going to need to maybe think something else is happening, like expect a whole new mentality. It'd be nice. I, I think it'd be ideal to utilize the, the, the trade process to get in position to get the guys they want. I don't really believe it's going to happen. You know, right. I, I think, I think if it was me, that's what I would try to do. And I'm, I'm sure there'll be yeah. attempts, but I, I think it's uh, easier said than done always yeah. to get yourself exactly where you want to be. Right. I think before the draft, it's easy for fans to say, well, you can just trade down, right. The, you know, that talent side, trade down, trade down, trade down. And then you end up with a draft of a bunch of you know, schmucks that don't make the field because <laughs> it's kept trading down. Like, you right. know, at some point you can't do that. Um, I, I do think they'll be, is especially because of that Claypool trade, I think they're probably going to sit where they are. Uh, and the Steelers have had luck of having players fall to them that they've wanted. And I think this is a draft where that can happen again. I mean, that 32nd pick, every mock I do, I'm like, there's, there's a good player here. It's a different good player every time I, I, I move around the deck chairs. Uh, but Man. they're going to have a really good shot to get someone. And I think that's going to be that day two focus. Yeah, and as you did mention, the Claypool trade working out for them in terms of helping out this draft a little bit here, regardless of, of, of later round situations or not. And again, whether or not these players fall to the Steelers or not. And again, Shane, Shane Hellman talking NFL draft, talking what the Steelers maybe are going to do. We're less than a month away right now. Mike drop on the Believe Network here. I also do want to hit on some players throughout the region, Penn State, Pitt, West Virginia, and, and maybe where their value currently is. I've covered some, talked to some of these, want to see kind of where you are and if that's where I am or where they think they are. Um, and kind of right now, starting things off with what's going on at the University of Pittsburgh, Carter Warren, Izzy, Cansey, as I mentioned, a few others. Who do you think is kind of that top prospect out of what Pitt's offering right now for the 2023 class? How important figuring it's probably can see has been his off season and some of those combine numbers that he's been putting up because he's putting up some record setting performances. How important is that? And, and where do you think can see and others are going to go in this draft or what could maybe make sense for them as far as pit players? I think can see obviously the, the firm number one. I think he's a, a almost lock for the first round uh, there's very few players will say are locked for the first round because anything could happen. But I, I think I think he is. Uh, he's he's my number two defensive tackle in this class. Uh, I, I do think the offseason helped him. I mean, the film was excellent. It, it's great. But if you are 6'1", 281, you need to be super athletic. And he showed he's super athletic. It, it, that's the only way you're going to make it in the first round, no matter how good the film is. So I think I think it's I think it's huge. I think he probably 
He's going to go in the first round. I, I think top 20 is very possible. It's a tough fit um, of exactly what teams will he fit. And I think there's different defensive coordinators that will like him, and there's some that will have him off the board. So, um, yeah, I, I, I really like him uh, for sure. And I think he's he's the cream of the crop of the pit prospects. Yeah, I think that's to say the least. Where do you think he was prior to the combine, and how much of the did the combine really help him? Because we saw the numbers, we saw you know the forty time for a player at his size, and thinking a player like him to be able to put up that kind of time. But where was he prior, and where is he now? Obviously, you know you agree that it, it greatly helped him. He's probably a first round pick now. Where do you think he was? Like just off of his work in college, was was he maybe more third round selection and moved to the first round? Is it closer to a second round and moved to the first round? Uh, was that that much of a big deal? Because some, you know, it's always talked about whether the combine is overrated or is it underrated? How much do teams look at? There's a myriad of Hall of Famers that just sucked in the combine and then had great careers, so you can't live there. But he certainly impressed. I think he was in that 50-ish range, you know, middle of the second round. Okay. I think he was still – I think he was higher than a lot of media had him. I'll say that because I think a lot right. of people, you look at the size and you're like, oh, no, I'm not – you know, I'm not mocking him there. I'm not talking about him there. Right. Um, I don't so think, I think national was, media was on him until after the combine. He really wasn't brought up outside of Pittsburgh until after the combine. Right. So, you know, I mean, the combine obviously made him millions of dollars if he's now a top 20 pick – bumped him up around. And I think even more than just the, the four, six, seven, 40, I mean, the, the, the six, eight, two, three cone, yeah. uh, the stuff he did at the pro day, like that's the best three cone for a defensive tackle ever. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think that kind of quickness, agility, the explosion, the broad and the vert, I think those all uh, really maybe more than the 40 is what helped Kalaja Kansi get to that top 20 pick. Yeah. I, again, I, he, it was, it was surprising for even <laughs> those of us who have seen him up close and certainly those of us who've covered him. I mean, it just it just is kind of a wowing situation when you see that for a player at its position, although maybe the size edge there does help him. And, yeah, I think being able to show he's athletic enough certainly made him money. And I, I, I think first round does make sense for him. A surprise if he's not at least an early second-round pick probably. Who else as far as pit prospects, though, do you think are, are going to get drafted should get drafted. Maybe some diamonds in the roughs that aren't getting talked about as enough because the only negative of Cansey here is he kind of is looming over the rest of the pit class that he's getting all the publicity, really. He's not the only pit player, though, that could end up in the National Football League. Carter Warren actually was at the Shrine Bowl. He did have to leave early that week, and it's never really been said why, but he was he was there in Vegas early in that week. Out of the pit group outside of Cansey, how do you think they look? How has their offseason's been going? Do you think they're going to have a shot at the NFL and what would make sense for any of the others? I, I think there's a lot of pit players that are going to go in this draft or at worst be priority free agents. You mentioned Carter Warren. I think he'll probably be an early day three pick. Um, I, I thought his film was very solid, not spectacular, very solid, especially in the plat pass blocking realm. Uh, when when Pickett was there and hey Carter Warren had to take a lot on this past season I think teams are going to like that um, ultimately but I think there's a lot of day three picks I think Servasia Dennis the linebacker uh, I, I mean I love his leadership and his closing ability uh, I think that communication he's going to interview well um, I, I think Hal Habakkuk Baldonado is probably going to get drafted there right. late in day three I think Brandon Hill has a shot to get drafted um, 
So I, I think you're going to see a lot of pit players. And then on top of that, I think there's a lot of guys like Deslin, Deslin Alexander is going to get signed into a camp. So I, I think there's a lot of players that are going to go um, for, for pit and end up on, on a squad. Yeah, and a lot of those have interviewed well, for whatever that's worth. Uh, I did talk to a few of them there throughout the offseason. So, yeah, there's going to be some pit players in the National Football League for sure. Cansey obviously is that that top prospect and has made himself tons of money throughout this offseason, to say the least. Now, rolling through the region, about 70 miles or so down south, the team that I do cover on a beat uh, in Morgantown, there's less <laughs> that are probably going to end up in the National Football League. But there's one, you mentioned Cansey having a great offseason, for me, Dante Stills has had a tremendous offseason as well. This is a guy that his older brother, everyone thought, was going to come out of West Virginia and be an NFL star. He eventually got signed by the Raiders after not being drafted. One of the big surprises of that draft got injured. Didn't happen for him. He's on a USFL team, but it doesn't appear that a pro career is really going to materialize for him. Dante, though might be able to be that guy for the stills family set records at West Virginia, despite the team not having success while he as much while he was there. And since his career ended and he stayed, I'll add this. He could have actually came out two years ago. He certainly could have came out last year. And he actually has told me that every single interview, as you would imagine with NFL teams, the first question always is, why'd you keep going back? Why did you not come out? You would have been a, you know, we liked you a year ago. Why did you keep going back? And it's just always he wanted to be another year in West Virginia. But he has since put up some solid numbers at the Combine, really interviewed well. I'll even tell you WWE is actually trying to talk to the man, doesn't want to talk to them yet. But if it doesn't work out in the NFL, they're trying to, to key in on him. They like his personality. He's actually been drafted in the USFL already, so he does have ways to make money playing football if he doesn't if he wants to give up the NFL dream here uh periodically but what are your before we get to Bryce for Wheaton and maybe if anybody else because Sam James a few others did compete at the pro day despite not getting many opportunities throughout the offseason what are your thoughts on Dante Stills I will tell you to lead off I know the 49ers the Cardinals have talked to him repeatedly he actually I believe has a fourth communication whether it be a zoom call on the phone or face-to-face. -face. I don't know which one of those three coming up before, before the draft. Those three, those two teams have just been on him. Can't be a negative. You wouldn't imagine the giants have also talked to him a couple times. He was really impressive at the shrine bowl. Bill Belichick had some one-on-ones with him, the Patriots and the Falcons who were the team that actually coached him there at the shrine bowl. So he's been at places to get a lot of looks and I haven't really ever seen him look bad when out there. What kind of prospect is Dante Stills for you in the National Football League? I think the film is solid. Like I said, it's consistent. He's a consistent player, gets consistent leverage, has good technique, and that will impress teams. Um, I, th I think the athleticism, the testing was pretty good, and th there's a lot of upside there, even if he didn't always put up those numbers at West Virginia consistently year after year. Um, so I think that's going to be the main question. I, I have him as an early day three pick. I think there's a shot he goes round three, but I think round four to six makes a lot of sense. Um, and, and teams like you mentioned, I mean, a team like Arizona that's completely gutting their defense and, and putting yeah. something back together, you're going to need players that fit, and he's a player that fits. So I think he's uh, definitely going to get drafted. Um, but I, I would say round three to five is probably the best range. 
Yeah, so you're confident at this point that he's unlike his brother because a lot of this was said a couple years ago. Yeah, I would have said that about his brother too. So you well, know, that was I mean, that was that because everyone focuses on the injuries for Darius. That didn't happen until after the draft. Prior to getting hurt, the NFL didn't think he was a, a top seven round pick. So yeah. I mean, I, again, I've been more apt to be covering Dante. I do think Dante is definitely going to get drafted. It sounds like you're confident somewhere he's going to get a shot in the nfl likely in this draft yeah i i i feel pretty confident especially because this defensive tackle class is not as good as the okay. defensive tackle class that darius was competing with i think that will help yeah and darius also and dante's actually said this darius had the covid year like that was just it was almost a really hard hill to climb for late round picks when you are really restricted on what you can do and dante has really impressed in a lot of face-to-face meetings that Darius wasn't able to do. So it does feel like Dante is the guy that's definitely going to get drafted here. And I also will add, and I want to see if you think this actually could help him, that he believes, and I think this makes sense, that him coming back was a benefit to his game, whether or not it helps him in terms of draft selection, it will make him a better player and better suited for the NFL because you mentioned his stats were not, He was getting progressively better as a player if you really dissect film, but his stats actually did sometimes regress. They didn't certainly eye-pop you, and last year's stats were worse than the year before. You wouldn't figure that for an NFL player regardless of the team. What's true is he was double-covered more as every year went by. And last year, I don't think he had a play that he didn't have double-team on him, certainly in the bigger games. Every single play of the backyard brawl, it was double-team Adante, and he played really well in that game. So – Maybe the fact that he's had a dealt deal with and he's dealt with so much double coverage in college, even though it's going to be better coverage coming at you in the NFL, that could help him make him a better player. Do you think that's at all going to be an NFL team's mind that'll be able to say, okay, these stats really aren't impressive, but what can you do? He's the player that every defense was keying in on at least the last couple of years at West Virginia. I think it's going to help, but I think it's a lot of times where the national media and the rankings and the mock drafts miss is where you're looking at production. You're like, wow, man, this, this player regressed. They got worse. And then if you actually watch and go through that year over year, you see the reasons why. And I think the NFL, obviously NFL teams do that. And so when you see a player that gets drafted in the third round, you're like, wow, no one had him here. That's usually why that's usually the case is that and I, I think, I think Dante is a great example of that where the yeah. film's going to back it up. And, I, and I'm really glad the testing, that was you know one of my big questions. Well, how's that testing going to be? And I think he really hit it out of the park as much as he could. I think that's yeah. that's what put him to say, yeah, that he's getting drafted. Yeah, he didn't put up cancy numbers, but it, I believe he was third in the 40 time, though, for his group. So, I mean, he, he was putting up some numbers that I think are solid enough with everything else that he brings to the table. And I also think he's mature enough now and maybe more mature than he would have been a couple years ago. Again, talking with Shane Hallam here of draft countdown. So outside of Dante though, Bryce Ford Wheaton is probably the other guy that if you're going to bet money on somebody outside of Dante, that's from West Virginia going to get drafted, he's probably the other bet in terms of another player getting on the board. It probably is Bryce Ford Wheaton. He's another player that, got progressively better throughout his career. The numbers did eventually back it up. He's had to deal with a lot of adversity this past season, had three different QBs throwing him a pass, all three from different styles going from JT Daniels to Garrett Green to Nico. And he's a much more mature player. Now he's also another player like Dante that 
I think was off many boards after the college season. Team wasn't good. His numbers were good. They weren't great. He dealt with so much adversity, but you know, the coach can say he's a great blocker while we're losing and it's raining, but that's going to be hard to scout because you need to see him do something. And that was the case towards the end of most of last season. And he had some poor drops, but if you look at the shrine bowl, he also was there. If you look at, Pro day, granted he didn't do everything there, and why? Because he already impressed at the Combine. I will tell you, I was there covering an indie. He said, and no one believed this, he threw a shot across the bow, I am going to show off. I am going to show out on my 40 time. Like His interview the day before, I am going to wow everybody. And a lot of people rolled their eyes. Like, all right, Bryce, like, what are you, what are you talking about here? He put up a 4-3-8. First run at it, 40 time. So... That's pretty freaking impressive. His numbers have been really good, and this goes to the vert jump as well. What do you think of Bryce Ford Wheaton in terms of as an NFL prospect, if he can be a good player in the NFL, if he's going to get drafted, or what maybe his path will be, and how much the combine in that 4-3-8 helped him? Because that is fast. I mean, it's especially fast when you're 6'4", 221. It's right. one thing to be the 176-pound receiver who right. couldn't run that um, and didn't run that. I, I think that's that's the difference is, uh, you know, I, I think there are games where you, you put the film on and Bryce Ford Wheaton, you can see the upside there. He has some natural ability to box out and jump up and make those contested catches, but it is very raw, um, not just with the drops, but I think even even the route running and understanding uh, spacing and positioning in the zone zone coverage. Like there's some development there. I think the one benefit for him is that he he has played special teams and he's played it really really well. Teams on day three, that's generally what teams start drafting receivers for. Um, you want guys that maybe have offensive upside, but if they play special teams, they can make the roster. And you yeah. might see a, a you know a highly talked about receiver, a Keishon Boutte out of LSU, go undrafted because he, he's not he didn't play any special teams. So I think Bryce Ford Wheaton has some upside. I think he, he might even have some day two. You know, someone takes a dart throw in round three to make sure they get him upside. I, I think he I think he gets drafted. It's definitely not a guarantee, but testing in the 99th percentile of receivers at the combine is going to help you. Special teams is going to help them. Uh, and I think there are games where where you put on, you say, this guy could play. He can play in the NFL. Let's take a shot on him in the, the fourth or fifth round. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because he actually just told us at Pro Day that he thinks some scouts are almost trying to get a rile out of him and trying to aggravate him and test him as a person because he's actually heard from some NFL personnel and he wouldn't say what teams or who told him this where they flat out told him and they were like standing up and trying to get him mad and saying, hey, man, there's some times on film you look like Calvin Johnson, but then there's some times on film you look like you couldn't play on a Juco team in Iowa. And trying to get him mad. But yeah, that is true, actually. Because and even if you look at the numbers of last season, first two weeks last year, forget how the team did, the offense was good, he was clicking 90-plus yards, two touchdowns each of those games. And yeah, there's some drops, but two touchdowns each game, 90-plus yards. That's four touchdowns in, in two games. He finished with seven. So I wasn't a math major here. That's a lot more production beginning of the season than at the end in terms of getting in the end zone. And again, he could bring up the team's offense was different. QB was changed. Drama occurred. All of that. But 
that's all going to occur probably in the NFL too. So you, you can't just say, well, we got a new QB now, the backup's playing, so I suck. Like you, you have to be able to, to mold yourself. And I do think special teams could be a spot for him. He even brought that up, that a lot of teams are talking about special teams with him. They think he could fit in special teams. But it almost feels like, and there's always some teams that fall in love with these players. The Raiders are always one. He's actually said the Steelers have talked to him repeatedly. He's a, he grew up a Steelers fan. Uh, the commanders are a team that he brought up that, that he's talked to that just fall in love with speed. You see four, three, eight for his size. You probably feel like I can clean up the drops. Like, I, I, I can't make somebody this fast. So, and if you look at a guy, his size, putting up a 40 time like that to really kind of promote Bryce a little bit here, I believe the last guy at his exact size or bigger or taller, so 6'3 plus, 200 plus, who put up a sub 4440 was DK Metcalf. So that's that I feel like that combine really, really did help Bryce. Now, outside of Bryce and Dante, who are the two players to watch for, Dante pretty much guaranteed. Bryce probably getting drafted. Certainly will get signed if he's not drafted, probably within seconds of the draft if he doesn't get drafted. Sam James is another one to point to. X-Ray Lowe is out there. Um, Jazeer Cox is out there. They both competed. They put up solid numbers. Nobody wowed anybody. Nobody showed out at the pro day, but they put up solid numbers. I would say Sam James is the other guy that maybe feels like he's been disrespected a little bit. He's told us that. He was kind of disappointed. He didn't get invites to the Senior Bowl, to the Combine, to the Shrine Bowl. He got a hula bowl invite, but you know who really looks at that? He put up a four five, four five, like a solid four five. He's a smaller guy though; he's five eleven, and that's probably being generous. West Virginia claims he put on twenty pounds. I don't know where it's coming from; haven't seen it. Uh, talked to him the other day. Looks like he's my size still, but he can play. He's also shown the ability to play in multiple systems, been a deep ball threat way back in the day when West Virginia was originally recruited by Dana, and that's a different style offense than maybe more of an NFL style, and then kind of became more of a number three at West Virginia. Does he have any hope? Does he need to go back to the deep ball guy? Can he be what he was at West Virginia in the NFL because his size is different than what he kind of played at WVU and is being a number three of a struggling offense? gonna hurt him like does he have hope right now or the fact that he was disrespected without opportunities does that kind of give writing on the wall that the nfl just doesn't think it's gonna happen yeah i i i'd be pretty surprised if he got drafted i, I mean it can always happen sixth seventh round you're just taking guys you don't want to have to compete to sign so i think it's possible because he does have some of that deep ball ability um you know his testing was like 59th percentile was yeah. nothing to write home about um and yeah i mean i, I think i think the the four six official with you know, being almost six feet 185 it's just not enough to outdo no, but literally did it at West Virginia. So I think he'll get signed. Yeah. Like, I think he'll be in a camp. I, I don't think Sam James is going to be, you know, no one gives him a shot, uh, but it's going to be a, a tough road, I think, to make it. Yeah, that's probably the case for him. Do you think, though, if he gets signed, that he'll be able to have a crack at the NFL? Because his body type has had success before. The weirdness is those guys are usually slot guys that just move the chains in a dink and dunk offense. He has been a deep ball guy, West Virginia. You don't usually figure that slot guy to then be the deep ball guy. So he's played odd for what the NFL may want, but does he have a shot? What does he have to do? Like, is there anything outside of getting taller? Cause that's probably not happening. 
Like, what what can he do to be an NFL prospect if, say, he gets signed and gets an, it's a camp invite? Well, I, th- I think you just have to show that you have some of that deep speed despite the 40 time. Uh, I mean, he he is a pretty clean route runner. And I think if he can continue to develop that and show that he can get open and, and practice, then he can make a team and start making it. I think the other thing is right. special teams. I mean, you, you got to make your bones on special yeah. teams to make a roster. And then we've seen those players uh, find success on, on the offense. I think that's, that's going to be Sam James' path. Um, and if he gets on the right offense, we saw with the you know guy like Rashid Shahid and for the Saints last year, you know, and these undrafted guys that show they can get open deep, you'll get your chance. Yeah. Any hope for X Low, Jasir Cox, anybody else from West Virginia, even going and uh, there's no hope really, but I'll just throw this out there. Jared Dagey competed at the pro day. Former Mountaineer, obviously had to transfer a couple times after they brought in JT Daniels. He did throw, he was throwing to these guys at the pro day. So he did throw. He also ran the 40. But X Reload, Jazir Cox, any of these guys have a chance to getting on a camp? Are they more XFL, USFL players? Because there's opportunities not to make money playing football, if not the NFL. Yeah, I, X Reload is the only other one that I have rated as, uh, as a, a priority free agent. So I, I think someone okay. will sign him into a camp. I don't necessarily know if he'll, you know, if he'll make it right. in the NFL if he has that that type of a uh, skill set, but he he is on my board. Okay, and, and that's something because I don't know if he's on everybody's board, so that does show <laughs> something, some something from him. Now moving to Penn State here, Mitchell Tinsley, Brenton Strange, Juice Shrugs, which just he just has an awesome name. We got to have the NFL success from him, of course, and then Joey Porter Jr. They're probably the the major names, but there's even others. We talked about Joey Porter Jr. a little bit, and if he would be a fit for the Steelers. Before we get to the full Penn State prospect list here, why do you believe Joey Porter Jr. is a fit with the Steelers if they do take him and if he is there? Because that's even been a debated topic. There are some that believe he's just not a fit system-wise, maybe personality-wise, maybe needs to clean up some, some problems and some bad penalties and just some fundamentals that aren't there. The Steelers would rather have any polished first-round player Joey Porter Sr. had to clean up a lot of that and obviously had a great career. But why do you think Joey Porter Jr., if he is a Steeler, is going to fit in, is going to work, and why that would make sense for Pittsburgh? It's funny because I think a lot of people that have that criticism are also the same people that have the criticism that the Steelers' defense is too soft and needs to get tougher. And I'm like, right. that's that's why you're drafting Joey Porter Jr., right? You're getting a physical press cover corner and i i honestly don't yeah. think the Steelers have had one since like taylor i don't think they've had a guy that could do it um as good as you know joe hayden was and some of these other corners where they, they weren't that physical press corner i think that's where this defense wants to move to ultimately um and and be a little more successful there so i think i think for porter that's the fit for me you have a, a number one that can actually press and jam as offenses are getting smaller at receiver um i think it's what they want to start doing and we're trying to start doing uh and it didn't work last year and you need a guy that will make it work i think that's what porter will do yeah and you also got to figure that and they're not going to draft for this but he has the right mentality he has people around him that are going to help him obviously with his father and mike tomlin may like a coachable player like if i just got to clean up some mistakes and some penalties that's the problem that maybe i would like that type of player yeah they've had those players in the past it's been a while but 
finding those physical forces are hard to find. So if he's there, Penn State, the father, that would be something that would be hard to turn down, that opportunity. But you do mention you have a few others who are still pegged ahead of him. Now, outside of Joey Porter Jr., who else, in terms of a Penn State prospect, do you think has a real opportunity in the National Football League that could be a, a solid, secure draft pick? I will throw out that I've actually seen Todd McShay very high and Brenton Strange. So thoughts there? I think Penn State has a number of guys that will get drafted. Um, I mean, I think Brenton Strange it, it will be drafted. I think that round three to five range for him um, where, you know, the production was up and down, but Flash this year has that athleticism and toughness. I think as a tight end, he's he's in kind of that third tier-ish of tight ends uh, with upside. I think Jair Brown, the safety, um, didn't have as quite a good of workouts as I was hoping that he would have. I, I, I really thought athletically he was more gifted. That could maybe hurt him, but I think Jair Brown will get drafted uh, early day three. Uh, you mentioned Juice Scruggs, who I, I think's a super you know tough, good leverage, run blocking center. He can play guard. I think that versatility is going to help him um, get picked. And then the receivers, I think Parker Washington will get drafted at some point. And I think Mitchell Tinsley has a shot to okay. get into the draft, um, you know, because he has the production. It could be one of those kind of sixth, seventh round pick type deals. And I think there's a lot of guys for Penn State that are in that late round, maybe undrafted, maybe drafted. PJ Mustafa, the, the the nose tackle as well. So, um, you know, I think there's there's a number of prospects. It was a good year for the Nittany Lions, and th these prospects are showing it. Yeah, well, it's what happens when you win a Rose Bowl. So, yeah, this team put it together, and they sent these guys out with a solid season, a couple bad losses mixed in there. But, yeah, real solid season for Penn State, obviously winning the Rose Bowl. You mentioned Mitchell Tinsley, who I was going to bring up if you didn't. He's somebody that he left a smaller program where he was putting up eye-popping numbers. To come to Penn State in a different offense that's not going to feature him, that's not going to throw the ball to him as much, that had a QB that was a veteran that's just not going to throw up the gaudy passing numbers, even if they did win in Sean Clifford. And his numbers drastically decreased. But obviously the team won and he got a Rose Bowl ring out of it. Was that a successful decision for him? Would maybe have he been better suited to keep on stacking numbers, even on a worse team that didn't have the profile of Penn State? Did being in that Penn State system underrate him? Because it sounds like if you think he's going to get drafted, maybe you're higher on him than some others. What is it about Mitchell Tinsley that you think works in the NFL? Because you can't just look at numbers, and a layman may say, well, once he was on the big show in the Big Ten, he's dropping 600 yards a season. So, So what happened? I mean, it's a completely different system. I think it helped right. him because the system he was in was literally to manufacture him open, right? And just get the ball to him. Like that that was the goal. Uh, now you're going to a Penn State system that's a lot more pro style and you actually got to run more than two routes and learn how to do that. And I think it took him a little bit to get there, but you see the quickness, agility, the footwork that he brings to the table. I think that's what makes him attractive. Like that those big numbers didn't go away. You know, teams are going to go back and look at that. Okay. Right. We see the numbers. Then we see him go to a program with, you know, not to, to, I don't want to bash Sean Clifford or anything, but he's not the best quarterback in college football, you know? Right. So, and it, it's not the numbers that matter. Now it's, he's learning a full route tree. You know, he's getting open even when he didn't get the football. I think that helps him maybe sneak into the draft. 
Yeah, I didn't ask you about Chuck Clifford Senegal <laughs> prospects, um, but I could. <laughs> but I, I didn't. I didn't put you on the spot with that one. Yeah, Mitchell and Mitchell Tinsley also was interviewed well. I got to speak with him a couple times. He seems like a, a motivated kid, and he also seems like somebody that is salivating over an opportunity to play special teams. I will say at the Shrine Bowl in Vegas, he was taking a. And this is in practice where not everyone's going to get these opportunities. So again, Sam James is all all in his feelings because he wasn't there, but he was getting a lot of return opportunities in practice with it. So Mitchell Tinsley maybe thinks the special teams could be a spot for him. Now you mentioned Mustafer as well. He was somebody that Bill Belichick oddly seemed to take a liking to, and he's talked with the Patriots repeatedly. Maybe they throw him a flyer later on who knows, but there was a couple sessions. I will say that, him and Bill had some one-on-ones and Bill was yelling at him as if it's practice for the Super Bowl. But then in the next day was pulling him aside and telling him how, how great he's been doing. And he actually got better as the days went by and Bill, we could even overhear telling him, Hey, you're everything I'm telling you, you're, you're catching on and you're getting better. And this is only a few days of being around the man. So what's the upside? What's the downside of him? And is there a reason why Bill Belichick in particular could be fascinated with this man to make him his project of a week in Vegas? I think the upside is limited, but I think, you know, what PJ Mustafer is going to be, you know, he, he's, he's going to be that traditional nose tackle and two gaps, stop the run uh, and, and has the lower body strength and drive to do it. And so those are a lot of players that Bill Belichick has taken that other teams have had off the board in the draft before and turned into consistent starters for five, six, seven years sometimes in the Patriots defense. So I, I could see a coach like Bill Belichick liking a player like that and thinking, hey, th this is someone that plays smart, uh, plays hard, uh, that I, I can turn into being a little more dynamic than everyone else will think. Uh, so that's why I think day three is a shot that those type of players sometimes – uh, I'm higher on than the NFL and, and their guys. I have like round four or five that go undrafted that are those kind yeah. of bigger nose tackle types. Yeah, that makes sense. And obviously when you're Bill Belichick too, you may have the mentality after the resume he's put up, obviously where if someone's a fringe, I'll, I'll get him in. Like he's a fringe for you with me. He's in. I can I can work with this guy. Maybe he it almost felt like Bill Belichick out there was enjoying the fringe players and project players more than a slam dunk first or second rounder where he wants to coach him up and, and make him a solid NFL player for five or six years. He was treating Shrine Bowl practice like it was a playoff game atmosphere and like he's preparing for an AFC title game or a Super Bowl. So having him there and ha having that environment, obviously everyone focuses on the senior bowl. It was going on around the same time. A lot of the times players to go to the shrine bowl or players that weren't invited to the senior bowl. And it's like the second opportunity, but they're building that up. And I know Mark May and others are trying to say this should be an equal footing with the with the Senior Bowl now. There were players that actually turned down the Senior Bowl to go to the Shrine Bowl. I don't know if they wanted to hang out in Vegas or why that was, but it also could be they got coaching staffs from two NFL teams, one the Falcons, one the Patriots, that were able to really key on, and they got full-on practice with Bill Belichick for four or five days. That, that, that maybe is something that you'd rather have than go, go to Mobile. So that really could be invaluable 
to players like Dante, to Bryce, to Carter Warren when he was there, to PJ, to Mitchell Tinsley, uh, to, to a lot of others that did, did that opportunity. So we'll see. And those are players a lot of these teams are talking to repeatedly. And if a team talks to you five times in a month and a half, I mean, I'm assuming they wrote some notes down from the first conversation. They, they, they can't be dismissing you altogether. They're not just going to waste their time and have all these meetings with somebody that the player, they just don't, don't see it happening for Shane Hallam again, joining me here on mic drop on the believe network. And I do want to just kind of round out and I'm sure you've done a few mocks at this point. You do mention sometimes your mocks and your projections are a little different than wins of happening in the NFL, but uh, Mel Kuyper and Tom McShay can say the same thing. No one's hitting, no one's batting a thousand or hitting a hundred percent on what goes on here. You kind of got to stay true to what you believe in. So back to the Steelers, what's your mock looking like right now? Like you don't got to give me the whole thing here, but who do you have them taking with that first round selection? Do you have them trading out? Are you doing anything unique in yours? Who do you have as another player that you think they're going to take that really stands out that you're going to point to and say, Hey, this later round selection, if the Steelers do go here, could actually be an impactful player. Uh, so I have, I have a seven round mock coming out on Monday. Um, okay. And, and I have, you know, a lot of what we've talked about. I have Joey Porter going there in the first, I have uh, Mozzie Smith going there um, with, with their 49th overall pick. I have a kind of an interesting one at 32. I have them almost doubling up at DB and taking Brian branch, okay. the the star position player at Alabama. So kind of would be a nickel corner. And as I've looked into it, I think that doubling of corner could definitely happen. So I want to kind of play around with that and see how that would uh, ultimately affect the rest of the Steelers draft. Now that kicks out offensive line until, you know, until round, round three, round four and linebacker. So it's kind of interesting to play with these pieces. So for my final one, I could try to really hone in on what they're going to do. Yeah. Do you, is that because you just don't love anyone offensive line wise for where they're going to be picking? Do you value other neat positions? Cause they do have other ones. Why are you like the Steelers have been doing once again, kicking the can on offensive line? Cause you can only do that so long. And a couple years ago, it was just flat out horrendous. It's got better. And now there are some veteran pieces that are still there, but uh, with Kenny Pickett's style, it might be hard to have a 10-year career unless at some point you focus in on the offensive line. Like, imagine Kenny Pickett having a 10-plus-year career, multiple Pro Bowls, with no Pro Bowls from the offensive line. Seems hard to believe that would be the case. Yeah, I, I think it is the value of the picks and kind of where they're at um, and looking at their interest. You know, I, I think a, a guy like Darnell Wright out of Tennessee is uh, could be taken by them at 17. It's a right tackle, uh, and I think that's the other – thing too is you ideally you want to bring in a left tackle i think to compete with dan moore and that value just isn't quite there in the second round where they're picking and then you start getting getting away from it um i expect them to address the offensive line at some point but uh i think it's easier said than done with how the draft is gonna fall for them to do it's gonna be tough without them moving around yeah it's absolutely easier said than done it is easier said than done for all these nfl teams for the steelers or whoever to try to put this draft together it's easier said than done for what we can say and what they should do or what anybody could say and what they should do and what actually ends up happening and what falls to you and what you're able to actually do so shane i definitely appreciate the time do you have any other thoughts on the draft whether it be steelers or elsewhere do you want to drop a hot take here of what's going to happen in this draft you see any major surprises or any major moves that could really impact things. Obviously, 
the whole Aaron Rodgers thing is still out there. And obviously if that, that, if that trade occurs, you soon, you would imagine that it's going to include draft picks for this year. If it lingers beyond the draft, then if you're the Packers, you have no motivation to, to do this at all or, or even early because then you're going to have to not get value until a year from now. So that could certainly change things up. Uh, there's some controversy around some players that also are supposed to go early on. What you, What are your thoughts overall? Just landscape of the draft right now. How do you think nationally the NFL draft's going to look when all is said and done understanding there's so many question marks right now obviously if the Packers and Jets you know make this trade happen in the next five minutes that that would oh, that would change things and, and would take teams out or add picks in for the Jets in particular OBJ potentially he could sign and that could take a team that wanted a receiver out of things but what are your overall draft thoughts now nationally look I think it's a strong draft I think it's a good group I, I think one surprise is going to happen. I do think the quarterback position is not going to go quite as high as people think. You know, I think a lot of people, a lot of mocks have four quarterbacks in the first four picks or, you know, I, I think we're going to see at least one likely will love us out of Kentucky, but maybe even Anthony Richardson out of Florida fall a little bit more than people think uh, when it comes to draft day, similar to last year, people thought Malik Willis might go top five and even go to the right. third round. So um, mm-hmm. I, I think we always overrate that. Uh, but but I, I think we're starting to figure out how some of these are going to go and how this first round is going to look. And I think there's going to be a Rodgers trade and and prob- probably going to be another trade or two that mixes up at least day two picks in some ways. Yeah, last year was supposed to be a year where you, you're going to get at least a few quarterbacks and Malik Willis would get there as at least a project. He then dipped and Kenny Pickett was the only first round quarterback. The Steelers did get him and he actually fell from what people thought. He ended up as pick 20. The people were projecting him you know, prior to that. So you never know, especially when it's quarterbacks. If, if a team doesn't love one, they may not take him at all, uh, let alone having a guy fall because you swing and miss on a QB, you're going to have a tough road ahead here. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't ask this. And this kind of goes in the national landscape as well for a guy that should be potentially the first overall selection, but has certainly dealt with a lot of drama in the offseason in Jalen Carter. Any thoughts on how that will play out and if his off the field troubles will impact him or if he is somebody who slides because of that how that could impact the rest of the draft i i think he's going to slide a little bit um i think there are teams in the top five and ten that will pick him but i've also heard there are teams in the top ten that have have them him completely off their board so um my mock on Monday, I haven't fallen out of the top 10. I think it's a very real possibility. And I think that definitely shuffles the deck a bit in terms of later in that first round of guys, you know, falling guys have to move up for that to happen. Yeah. And when you think about it, that's probably a negative to a team like the Steelers for where they're selecting, because that means that players they think will be right around that neighborhood of 14 to 20 that they can try to move and shake with, or maybe would fall in their lap are going to have to be overreached. If team is saying Jalen Carter's off my board, when as a talent, he's obviously a top five or 10 player, if not the best overall player in the draft, they're going to have to put somebody else who's probably behind him in overall talent without the off the field mess earlier 
in the draft and, and kind of reach for that player or, or draft him higher than they would have. So that, that could maybe hurt later round teams and, and teams that are picking there in the middle of the first round or, or towards the end of the first round. But that's absolutely something to watch for sure, because he was kind of the slam dunk pick until he wasn't. So we'll see. Cause there's also always that team out there, Shane, as you know, that may sit there and say, I hear the news. I'm not living under a rock, but man, he's good. And, you know, it's a winning business. So, and, and then they, they, they may, they, they may send the ticket in. So you're only going to slide so far, but imagine there, there's some sliding there. Shane, I definitely appreciate the time for sure. Hopefully we'll have a conversation or two prior to next year's draft. We always do discuss uh, around, around this draft season. And of course, look for Shane's draft coverage and, and more of his mocks over there at draft countdown. So I appreciate the time, man. No, thanks for having me. Thanks, Mike. Absolutely. Again, Shane Hellman, who I usually talk to around this time of year, does a lot of great work over there at Draft Countdown. He's a managing partner as well as an NFO draft analyst for Draft Countdown. He has a show of his own, I believe, as well. So find him on Twitter to get all of that. And this is going to be an intriguing draft, to say the least, really nationally more so than the Steelers. Obviously, the Steelers with the accession over Pickett last year, they were a little bit of a national story. And they can do some interesting things now to build a team around Pickett here in this Pickett era of football that they're locked into. But what happens with Jalen Carter, what happens with the Rodgers trade, imagining that has to happen prior to or during the draft, if you go beyond the draft, then what the Packers are getting doesn't include this year. And if you're the Packers, you then would go to the Jets and say, okay, I still want to part ways with this man, but you're punting the whole year in terms of value. This isn't really what I wanted. So that may have that linger beyond June or so. It may screw Rodgers over altogether. Not that maybe he doesn't deserve it in some respect for the drama that has been both sides of this and maybe the hypocrisy of Rodgers for my little commentary on this, a guy that was upset vehemently when Favre was doing this to Green Bay over a decade and a half ago when he wanted his shot at things. And now he is that guy that is doing it to Jordan Love. I don't think Love is Aaron Rodgers, but he has turned into Brett Favre in many ways off the field. And this whole mess of trying to continue his career beyond when the Packers want him to and waffling about retirement every other year and blaming everybody else and saying it's all your fault and I'm perfect despite his issues in postseason games. And last year he declined for sure. And you put him on the Jets, that's absolutely a better team. The Jets seem to be primed. They need a QB. It makes sense. They they build a crew over there, certainly defensively. And maybe you add a receiver piece or two. You got a running game. You don't have mistakes at QB anymore, at least less you'd imagine. Even if he gives you last year play, that's still much better than what you had with White and certainly Zach Wilson. So it makes sense for the Jets now, like it did when they got Favre. Well, that was only ending up, I believe, a 9-7 and seven season. They missed the postseason, and Favre then after one year got to where he wanted to be with Minnesota, got them to the NFC title game, had his best individual season of his career, cleaned up the whole act of all the interceptions during the Jets season. So he mentally didn't want to be there. It was okay, but – the Jets certainly hope as a franchise it works out better with Rodgers than it did with Favre, and we'll see how long Rodgers then plays. And if they get more than one year out of him, because if it's only one year, what are they willing to give up for one year to go at a championship, go at a Super Bowl appearance or Super Bowl title that hasn't happened for that franchise in basically half a century? 
with it only being one year? Or do you get an assurance that it's two years at least? I don't imagine it's much longer. Does he rather be somewhere else like Favre did secretly? And after the year, he's trying to move and shake and he says, I'm retired. And then all of a sudden he's somewhere else and he's getting phone calls like, say, Ben did last year by the Niners, despite having retired from Pittsburgh. So you just never know. And that's why there's a risk for the Jets. I mean, you're going to at least have them for the one year. But if you don't win a title or at least get the AFC title game, I would say at minimum, it really was a lost cause. And if it happens like it did with Favre, where you're missing the postseason, despite some special games and maybe some more fanfare, then do you really want to give up multiple first round picks? Or maybe are you giving up just later round picks because you're pushing this so long? How are they configuring that deal? How does the Rodgers deal look? I think everybody agrees Rodgers, if he plays this year and he's going to play this year, he says he wants to play this year, and now he's committed to playing to the Jets, it's going to be with the Jets. He's not going to play with the Packers anymore. They, they pretty much parted ways. So if everybody agrees he's going to be a Jet at some point, you'd imagine you'd want that to be prior to the draft so that it can include value for the Packers this year. But how does that look? What do the Jets want to give up? It is a risk, like I detailed. The Jets could do it all over again with Favre, would they? It was one year that was cooler than the year before. They didn't win all that much more, and they took a long journey to get good again. So we'll see. And now it's been a long journey since last time they were good. It's been another decade plus since last time they were good. They got competitive last season, but can they really turn it on and make a run? You add Rodgers, that's the win now piece. Or do you go Lamar? Lamar Jackson is a move out there. Does that happen? Does that is that a trade? Does that shake things up? Because now clearly he has a request in that he wants moved on from the Ravens. The man wants a guaranteed, fully guaranteed deal. That got to be a, a you know a stop and press. I don't think so for most NFL owners out there, which is why they're speaking out. They, I understand why anybody would want a guarantee of anything in any walk of life. Certainly at a position like quarterback, and I know other sports have them, but there's also the issue that I get why owners don't want to pay it. Because you have a player that's missed game after game the last few years. He played, I believe, 12 games a season, and they play more than that, by the way. Former unanimous MVP for sure can lead you to the playoffs, can win you some games. But how long does his style dictate to success in the NFL? How much more years do you have this? You're not paying for what happened three, four, five years ago. You're playing for the future. So are you willing to pay fully guaranteed money, record-setting money, 300 mil, to a quarterback that has missed games, that's probably going to give you less production than he's already given you, that's already been an Amazon MVP, but the odds of him doing it again are probably lower than it already of having happened. And how many more years are you going to get elite play out of that? And will he then want to get more money if he does for two or three more years and more guaranteed cash? And how will that all look? What kind of te type of team do you have? What do you need to build around him? Do you have weapons there? Because the Ravens just kept losing them for him. I get it. Lamar is an all-world player. Had a better NFL career than I thought he was going to have years ago. Unanimous MVP. Him and Brady are the unanimous MVPs in NFL history for QBs, and that's ridiculous. But again, you're paying for the future, not the past. He's missed a lot of games. He's been hurt. He's coming off an injury-plagued season. Do you want to get fully guaranteed? How does that trade look? What does that look like? What does that do for the draft, if that occurs as well? A lot of different moving pieces that could happen right prior or during the draft that really could shake things up and will make people like Shane stress and, and realize their mock needs to get thrown in the garbage can. But I trust Shane's mocks regardless, assuming those 
catastrophic events don't occur again. Thanks to Shane Hellman joining me here, managing partner and NFL draft analyst with Draft Countdown. As always, I'm Mike Osti, and this was another episode of Mike Drop here on the Believe Network. You also can find my work throughout the Sports Now family of networks, Pittsburgh Sports Now, West Virginia Sports Now, WWE Sports Now, and of course, Nittany Sports Now in the Pittsburgh market as well. Also on Sirius, their college sports channel on the Big 12 channel. I'm there frequently as well. And you can find Mike Drop on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, everywhere you get your podcasts. Just search Mike Drop. Also, anywhere Believe offers shows, it is on the Believe Network page as well. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.